City Maniac, the wit from the mitt, the Great Lakes Grandmaster, the Motown Madman, the Mittens Killer Kitten. We ran out of nicknames. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. So glad to have you with us today. I am your host, Stephen Crowder, as always, the most insubordinate producer in radio, Fun Dip Dan, joins me. Hello! I don't know what the, I don't know what that was. This is a terrible start to a program. Please don't switch the dial. Hello. We have oh, thank you, much much improved. We have Nick Searcy on the show the, uh, this 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 day. I was going to say this morning, this you evening. You will rue this, this day. Okay, calm down. And uh, of course, you know Nick Searcy from Justified. He's also uh, a big conservative activist, and he's directing the new Gosnell movie gosnellmovie.com and of course our good friend resident christian islam apologist uh gerald morgan is coming in so i love that that guy you know what that means though he's gonna like gang up on me and try to convince me to stop being an agnostic no it means that islam screwed up again well yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) i'm always very self-centered you know i I think everything's about me this is true well what's funny is we had him on so much because he was such a good guest and when the show was getting started we were like well it's it's tough to find a bright guy who's not out of touch who's not just typical fogey radio but who still knows what they're actually talking about when it comes to theology and we used him so much and we realized like well we would always justify it saying yeah but he's a perfect guest because there was a terrorist attack this week and then the next week we'd be like yeah but he's a perfect guest because there was a terrorist attack this week (laughs) (laughs) so literally every Man, that other dude that you talked to from London, he's been in the news a lot lately, too. Uh, Mark Stein? No, no, the, the whack oh, job. Oh, Imam. Imam yes. Yeah, Imam Chowdhury. You know what? And he has been in the news, and this is kind of what we've talked about. Um, if you're going to have a terrorist on, let him speak. You know what I mean? We let, we let the guy speak, and and he hung himself. It was much more damning than than just interrupting, interrupting to get your points in. Like, I, there's no point that I can make that's going to be more damning than this guy endorsing terrorism. Just let him endorse it. Oh, yeah. And what's interesting, though, is how it all comes together with him because when you first start hearing him talk about his stuff, you go, well, he can't be that bad. He's got a, a charming voice and disposition initially. And then what he starts to say sinks in, and you're like, "Oh man!" And, you know, as a listener or a, oh, you sure? It's it's heavy. It but is heavy. It's not as heavy though when you're doing the whole. I'm sorry, but conservative media deal of just interrupting the guy. I mean, it's like a film, right? In a film, sometimes the silence is what's most dramatic. Oh and yeah. That's what you needed there. You know, people, some people were like, well, I, don't, I didn't hear him call for your death. And I said, well, you weren't, you weren't listening because we gave him room to say, well, yeah, you know, drawing the Muhammad is, and this is, is punishable by death under Islam. And then he started going on about how Sharia will rule. Now, most hosts would say right away, cut him, oh, let me, say, let me tell you what you're trying to say there. You're trying to say that. Well, don't tell him what he's trying to say. He's going to say it. Yep. Let him say it. 
And just, I mean, there were a couple moments there. You can go to LottoWithCrowder.com for those who missed the interview where I, I just sat and said nothing. Uh, and so, I know, here I am interrupting. Right, just like ruining you were our silence. About. What, Fun Dip, what? It's, it's exactly like the original version of Return of the Jedi versus oh, the Blu-ray version. In the original version, when Vader has finally gotten to the point where he's ready to throw the Emperor into the pit, there's this, there, huh? It's fast. There's this silent turmoil going on. And and in the Blu-ray version, they've added a no, which is reminiscent of when he finds out that he's killed his girlfriend or wife. And it's like, no! And I'm like, it was better without that. Right. Well, that's the thing. They feel the need to add something all the time now. It's the YouTube generation. And I, I say it, having, you know really sort of made my name on YouTube. It's just people have an attention span that's so short. They, I, I, there was some study that I was seeing, seeing I was reading not long ago where I'd have to find this. There was a number, and it was a shocking number, like eight seconds, where if there isn't a camera change or some kind of a dialogue change or, a, or, or a, uh, I guess a conceptual change, something needs to be shifting or capturing your attention or people will shut off. It's like, it's like eight seconds now. Like me chiming in and going, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. This is true, and then coming in with silly Star Wars references. By the way, <laughs> Return of the Jedi is just a it's just it's just a poorly made film. Just a poorly. Oh, made. the 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 best one I think still to this day, you've got Empire because well, Irv Kirshner was a brilliant director, but Which I love sense. the very very first one. You know, Episode Four. Yeah. It's just oh, and here I am wearing a Star Trek shirt talking about Star Wars. How dare you? It's a violation yeah. of all that's good and holy. Bald and corseted Kirk would be a <laughs> So this week, obviously, the big story is Garland, Texas, the Muhammad drawing. I've talked about this all week. I've written columns about this this week. You can go to lotterwithcredit.com. Um, okay, so let's start off with the good thing. The good thing is terrorists were killed, right? The good thing yeah. is no innocents were killed. Terrorists were killed. Now, I don't see that as like neutral. Well, you know, it's sad when anyone dies. It's not sad. Congratulate. I, I mean, throw a party. Two terrorists are dead. That's better than no terrorists dead. So if anything, I kind of think that this is if, if, if the liberals are correct, leftists are correct in saying that, uh, that Pam Geller set a trap. Well, maybe we should be setting more traps so we can kill more terrorists. Um, it's a trap. The trap. You knew that was coming. That's out. what happens whenever you go into Detroit to the wrong bars and you meet 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 the ladies. It's yeah. a trap, Captain. I don't care. So Baltimore, as well, there was a probe into this. Uh, uh, the probe into the police decided that there were uh, there was no evidence to support charges, and that's something that not a lot of people have have covered. But I wanted to go back. Sorry, squirrel. Wanted to go back to the the, the Muslim Garland I issue. Uh, AP wants you, they tweeted out, to be sympathetic to the fact that terrorists have died. Now they're attacking Pamela Geller for not regretting the death of terrorists. So here, here, here's the, we'll, we'll talk about this after the break. There's a lot to get into. But there's, there's so many good things to have come out of the Garland, Texas issue. And that's what nobody is talking about. Everyone is talking about, well, you know, it was regrettable, or well, I believe in free speech, but... No, you don't. When someone says, I believe in free speech, but they don't. They don't. There's no but. And I know some Christians listening now terrestrially will, are probably people who protested the urine Christ. 
Um, but they didn't go killing anybody. They didn't go it. killing anyone. But again, you don't need to protest it. If you, if you don't think the museum should show it, that's fine. I, I know some some people who who go on the other side. And, oh, you should beat up someone who burns a flag. No, those people are losers. But it is free speech. I believe in free speech, but cannot be a phrase. It is an oxymoron. You either believe in the First Amendment or you do not. And that might be hard to take for both sides at some point. You know, for a lot of Christian conservatives, it's hard to take when they see someone burning the flag, when they see someone burning, uh, peeing on a crucifix. For the left, it's really hard to take when they see Americans uh, not obeying Sharia law. That breaks their little leftist hearts. We'll talk more about it after this break. Louder with Crowder. Let not your hearts be troubled. We won't obey Sharia. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Visit louderwithcrowder.com today. You've got it on Louder with Crowder. You do have it on Louder with Crowder. In case you didn't know, the rule in media is repetition, and so many people get confused. I know, it's confusing. What? What did he s- We have it on what? Louder on- with Crowder. It's on Louder with Crowder. Who? Louder with Crowder. You're, you're ruining... No, I wasn't asking you. You're ruining my bit. Louder with Crowder. Shut up. We're just up. doing two different bits just together. stop. <laughs> it's two great bits that taste great, taste great together. He's like, go away, you moron. Sometimes I love you, and sometimes I want to strangle you with your your Trekkie shirt. Louder with Crowder. <laughs> I couldn't find the right word to say on radio. Admiral Akbar. Uh, all right, calm down. You need you need to curb it, Fun Dip. You need to curb it this morning. My just enthusiasm? Yeah, just, just, just curb the enthusiasm a little bit. Go back to being depressed. So we... um. We were talking about the, the Garland shooting. Here's one thing that it's, it's definitely done. Now, I know that everyone has been talking about this this week. So you're going to go, well, you know, what is it you can talk about that other people haven't talked about? Okay, here's something. The most valuable thing to come out of the Garland shooting, aside from two dead terrorists, hallelujah, is it's definitely shined a light on the fake conservatives and conservative media. It is, there is a line in the sand right now that has been drawn. And it's not just, should you draw Muhammad, should you not draw Muhammad, oh, is it offensive? As a matter of fact, it is your civic duty. As an American, right now, we are at the point, it is your duty, if you support freedom, if you don't want to lose it, to draw Muhammad. Of course, I'm not saying the government needs to force you to do it. I'm not dictating that to you. But if you believe in freedom, this is a monumental moment in history. If you do not show the picture, if you do not freely share these pictures, if you do not openly and flagrantly flip the bird to Sharia law and political correctness, you are giving it. And you will be on the wrong side of history, of freedom. You will be on, you'll look back with your children and you'll say, yeah, you know, I'm trying to remember that was that was the moment. That was the moment where where freedom went away. And um, and I, I let it ha- I was in the wrong way. I didn't want to offend anybody. 
I didn't want to offend people, so I let freedom slip away with a whimper. And I, I'm, if you listen to this show, I mean, you know, if you listen to the show, I was just yelling at Fundip for half the time. It's, it's not a show where I just stand up and tell everyone, you're great, and this country's great, and the country songs, and the twang, and then, uh, and then, and then sound the doomsday alarm. You're more this, than happy to tell people that they stink. This is, well, this is true, though. I mean, you know me, Fundip. I've, I've, we've had people say, well, I think it's over. And I go, no, I think the world generally becomes a better place today than tomorrow, uh, tomorrow than today and, and the day after. No. And I think that things generally, you don't, but I do. I think things can generally improve. But we are at a point right now at a crossroads with freedom and tyranny. And when you see people, listen, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it here. Laura Ingram and Bill O'Reilly. I can't tell you how disappointed I was. And you, no, no one in radio wants to say this because, oh, it's Laura Ingram. Yeah, Laura, it was really frustrating hearing Laura say, you're provoking them. Yeah. Well, you know what? Listen, the good thing is nobody can fire me. I am in, and this is, and I don't say this to brag, but I am in a screw you position. Okay? You can go to ladderwithcrowder.com. If you like me, support me. If you don't, don't. But nobody runs that site but me. We have some people, a great team, who write some things on there. But I run it, okay? This show, we get to do what we want with this show. No one can fire me. Now, if that means that I'm not on uh, 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 some other form of dying, I'm fine with it so that we can say what needs to be said. So everyone else who's afraid because they're going to find themselves at the cocktail parties with Bill O'Reilly and Laura Ingram, fine. You guys, I understand your job security matters. It doesn't for me. I'm not saying they're bad people. I am saying they're not conservative. I am saying that they're wrong. When I watch them sit down, and you can see the clip, I think we have it at ladderwithcrowder.com, Laura Ingram sat down with Bill O'Reilly, and I'm, I don't just want to call them out specifically. It's emblematic of, of what conservatives have been doing this month. And they both go, well, you know, it's provoking. Oh, well, yeah, I, I believe they have the right, but you shouldn't do it. I, why the hell? Why the hell are we prefacing this? Why are we prefacing this at all with, I don't believe you should do it? No, you should do it. Why the hell are, do we feel the need to try and reduce offense to, to people who want to kill us? By the way, I'm not just talking about terrorists. I'm not just talking about terrorists here, okay? Terrorists blow people up, sure, and we can say, look at those extremists. An overwhelming amount of Muslims believe that drawing Muhammad is a punishable sin under Islam, whether you're Muslim or not. They believe it's a punishable sin. Isn't that extreme enough? You know what? That's a lot more extreme to me than the Westboro Baptist Church putting a God hates fag sign outside of a, a, outside of a funeral. That's a lot more extreme. And by the way, when I say that too, if you tune in to these conservative outlets, they'll go, God hates F-A word, the word that you can't say. There's only one F word, and it's not fags, okay? And if I'm talking about Westboro Baptist Church saying God hates fags, I'm going to say that they write God hates fags. I, I, I'm just and, and, and someone telling you that you cannot draw a picture is way, way worse than someone saying, God hates fags. You know why? Because their asshattery, <clears throat> excuse me, does not infringe on your rights as an American. Telling you that you can't draw a picture is, is, it is, it's evil. Just like the English Empire was evil in their tyranny. It is a spirit of evil. And how far do we go? 
How far do we go? Well, we don't want to offend them. Well, guess, do you know how far it goes? Because these same people, an overwhelming amount of Muslims, an overwhelming amount, believe that women not wearing the hijab, burqa, not dressing a certain way, should be a punishable sin. So do we get to the point in this country where we say, well, listen, listen, Laura Ingram, listen, uh, uh, gammy contributor number 12, uh, <laughs> you're not, you're dressing in a way that's provocative, that could provoke Islamic rage. How far do we go? You know how far we go? I say zero. What fun dip? Like in a tight black dress wearing a big gun. They would not like that. Right. Are you talking about Yeah, they would not Dana? like Dana on the cover of the magazine. They would go crazy over that. Right. Oh, but but Dana didn't make any apologies. No, Dana's, no. That, uh, she looks very stylish there. No, I don't mean that. I mean Dana doesn't count out to the No, no, that. she does not. She's on she's on the same path. You've got it going on. She's got it going on. Yeah, she definitely does. But when I'm you just know, thinking I, I of the coolest looking picture I've seen recently. Yeah, I know. You get all you get all hot under the shirt. It's really creepy, and you just took this in a weird direction when it was going <laughs> in a positive direction. I don't know why you feel the need to do that. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a lecherous old man. You are a lecherous old man. You're not even that old. You're just lecherous. I'm I think 45. you were a lecherous. I think you were a lecherous four-year-old. I didn't get lecherous until kindergarten when I met this girl named Andrea, and I thought, wow, girls are gorgeous. Mm. <laughs> and you developed a pension for trannies. Yeah, no. I <laughs> yes. didn't come until several years later. Oh, like when I, was, when I was nine and I started reading People magazine. Oh. Uh, anyway, it's just, and I, I don't know if it's a time thing with people like Bill O'Reilly and Laura Ingram who, who started out conservative and then, you know, with Bill O'Reilly, maybe it came with the phone sex scandal and, and not being able to hire bosomy interns. I don't know. Um, where he, <laughs> when he abandoned that, he abandoned the ability to, to, uh, have a pair. I don't know if he had to be castrated and that's where he is now. <laughs> But the point is, and listen, it's not that I don't like these people, and I'm not into, I'm not cannibalizing conservatives. What I am saying is, if, if, <clears throat> pardon, my voice is going a little bit nutty today. Let me hit the cough button. Oh, thank God I have a cough button. Uh, what I am saying here is, you don't understand the ideals of conservatism. If you feel the need to preemptively apologize for a picture, you've missed it. You've missed it, and this is such an important time in history. You don't give these people an inch. By the way, hat tip to, a honestly, some guy in a message board at AR15.com, our sponsor, who ran it down with the, the burqa analogy. Well, how far do you let it go? How far do you let it go? I believe in free speech, but, well, that's the start. I don't think you should draw this picture. Why? Because they create laws. Muslims create laws. Don't respect the laws. I don't, I don't give a rat's rear end what they think. Uh... We're going to bring on Nick Searcy, director of GosnellMovie.com. Lighten it up and then come back after this break. Stay tuned. Louder with Crowder. Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 say, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades. All of it can be found at AR15.com. 
That's AR15.com. So glad to have this next guest on with us. You've seen him. I mean, you've seen him in a ton of films, the TV show Justified, which I know a lot of you out there love. And um, he's actually directing the new film, Gosnell Movie. You can check out more at gosnellmovie.com. Why am I introducing him? Nick, seriously, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Stephen. I can't can't imagine how excited you must be. (laughs) Well, you're right. You can't imagine it. So um, well, we're glad to have you on. I mean, listen, so we, we did the introduction now that the formalities are out of the way. Um, I'm trying to think of where we met initially. Would it have been through through Breitbart somehow? It's one of those things where you just sort of miss it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was through Andrew. Yeah, we were probably at some gathering or other, and I had seen some crazy video you'd done or something, and then I came up and said, hello, I remember I remember introducing myself to you. You did? You introduced yourself to me? I think so, yeah. I oh. mean, you were very disrespectful, I remember. Well, you yeah. I was. You that, know, goes, <laughs> that goes without saying. I think I remember it, actually. That yeah. was the function, <clears throat> the secret meeting, where uh, it, funny Clint Eastwood was there, I remember. Yes. And um, I don't know if I ever told you, like, there's a certain level. I'm pretty comfortable around. I mean, we, you know, there are a lot of celebrities working in the entertainment industry. As I'm, I'm sure you're comfortable with them. But there's a certain level of celebrity with which I, I don't know how to interact. And I remember Clint Eastwood I literally turned around, and he was right there. And I just said, uh, hi, I'm Steven. And he said, ah, I'm Clint. <laughs> and I was really like, okay, I just shook his hand and left. And I remember my friend was playing on his phone. And when Clint was walking out, I remember this clear as day. He looked at me and said, so did you rescue the princess? <laughs> that was my Clint Eastwood story. Yeah. But um, the, the funny thing is, I was actually at a function uh, this week, one of those secret functions, and, and I had to do an introduction on stage. I was introducing the speaker. And when I got there, they put me at a table, and right beside me was Clint Eastwood. And I just froze. I didn't even... <laughs> I didn't even know what to say. I was like, hi, Mr. Eastwood, I'm Nick Searcy, you know, and that was it. And and I was so preoccupied with, like, thinking about, oh, no, I should have made a better speech because these jokes are terrible and I'm going to bomb in front of Clint Eastwood. (laughs) (laughs) It does. It changes the level of pressure. I mean, what do you say to him when you have that body of work? Like, hey, I I loved you in every which way but loose. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has ever worked with an orangutan like you have. Clyde was no joke. There's, I even like, I got a kick out of every which way you can. I'm not even going to lie. The funniest yeah. part of that film is where Clint Eastwood, for those of you who haven't seen it, he knocks a man out with a bass, the fish. <laughs> just fishing. He's just, just completely. Uh, anyway, we can get into it. And he beats the crap out of women in all those Dirty Harry films. A lot of people just skim over those parts. <laughs> Well, that was the that was the peak for Clint, I think. I mean, you know, as and just in terms of acting, is that period. But you know, now he's uh, he's surpassed all of that. Yeah, it's like you can't say anything. Well, and like, right, and he's outwardly conservative, so people know that, and people know if they follow you on Twitter. Is it uh, real Nick Searcy on Twitter? 
No, it's yes, Nick Searcy. Yes, Nick Searcy. Okay, even yes. even more presumptuous. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, yes, Nick Searcy. Yes, it is. It, it is I. So you're out of the closet as a conservative. So I'm not. You know, I don't want to ruin any careers here. But um, no, that's already ruined. Don't worry. <laughs> well, you're you're doing pretty well. Well, that, it's interesting you say that because people do talk right about the blacklisting. And I know coming up, you know, before I had my own platform that I had I had experienced it, but I do tend to believe that sometimes people blow their victimization out of proportion. Sometimes the more I the more time I spend around conservatives in Hollywood, I don't see that as a case. Have you felt that pushback a lot because you're you're so vocal? Well, you know, I wouldn't know it, Stephen. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't feel it from, you know, my agents or my managers or anybody like that. I don't I don't I don't hear it from them. I don't know what people are saying to me, saying about me behind closed doors. If, if you don't get a role, they don't call you up and tell you why. So right. I don't know. It could be happening. But frankly, I don't care because I'm old and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm fine. You You're know? not old. You're a character actor. <laughs> right. But I'm, what I'm saying is I'm kind of like reached the point where, you know, I can work with the people that I want to work with and I don't have to work with people who don't want to work with me anyway. So that's fine. It's, it's what, uh, it's what John Goodman called in the gambler, the remake, uh, the screw you position. I'm obviously paraphrasing here because of the FCC, yeah. Yeah. but exactly. I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of there, kind of there. Yeah. Well, I mean, justified. What is it? Six? Uh, was it six seasons? Seven? Six. Okay. We did six full seasons. Yeah. And yeah. that was. I mean, what a great experience. And and uh, you know, that's the longest series I've ever had. You know, which is great at my age. You know? Yeah. No, I can imagine. And I mean. Well, let's just be honest. It's not not that we're, but at six seasons, you know, with a show, obviously, it puts you in a pretty good position, not only professionally, financially, um, where a lot of actors don't really have that luxury, and people know you when they see you. And ju- Justified. So let me ask you about that. So you're on the set of Justified. Do you ever get into it with any of your co-stars? And just, I mean, do you ever get into it as aggressively as you do on Twitter with the Hollywood libs on that set? That ever happen? No, they know better, you know. <laughs> but, you know, a, a couple of times it, it happened early on, like in the pilot. I got into it with the, not in a terrible mean way, but you know, so I won't say who it was, but one of the one of the stars said something about it was back when David Letterman made a joke about Sarah Palin's daughter getting an A Rod sex with A Rod or yeah. something, and you know, and they kind of poo-pooed that and i said wait you, you you got a daughter right you know do you think it'd be all right if uh, david letterman made a sex joke about your daughter and so we kind of chewed on that for a few minutes and after that they all went okay don't talk politics with nick he's crazy right <laughs> but I said, he's old <laughs> i can't be held accountable i'm just gonna steal stuff Right. But, uh, but, you know, what happened, you know, is that basically by the end of the show, everybody kind of knew, you know, right. what, where I stood. And they actually wrote it into the show. I mean, in right. like season five, they had. Well, hold, hold on. We have to go to break. I want to talk about that when we get back. Nick Searcy, uh, Louder with Crowder. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. Listening to Louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. 
back with the one and only Nick Searcy. Yes, Nick Searcy on Twitter. And Nick, before we left, you were going to tell us a story. So you were in this show Justified. And obviously, I don't want to typecast you here, but that's just a show that so many people love. Mm-hmm. And you said that, I mean, they wrote it into the show, right? It was season five? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what happened was in season four, you know, there was this moment where Rush Limbaugh sort of mentioned the show, mentioned Justified on the air, and he mentioned me by name. He said, you know, I was glad to see Art Mullen back. Nick Searcy plays Art. He's one of my favorite characters. So I wound up, you know, through a series of, like, my friends tweeting me and going, oh, my God, Rush Limbaugh said your name. And then I tweeted David Limbaugh, and he, you know, basically I went on the show the next day, and, and Limbaugh interviewed me for about 12 minutes, you know, which was longer than he interviewed Dick Cheney, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> but well, anyway. I think Dick Cheney just hung up. Ah, what do you want? Click. <laughs> but anyway, that that kind of aired. And then a couple of weeks later, one of the writers saw me and he said, you know, we uh, we listened to your Rush Limbaugh interview in the writer's room. I said, oh, really? What did you guys think? And he said, well, we talked about it and we... Uh, we think you should do it again if you can. <laughs> yeah, because I'm bringing in all that audience that you guys have been driving away for years. Right. Um, but then in season five, they wrote a scene where my character is sitting in a truck on a stakeout, and he's listening to Limbaugh on the radio. Right. Which is, and then, you know, I think it's the first time in television history that a character has actually listened to Limbaugh during a show and then not immediately gone and strangled a puppy or like raped somebody or done something awful. So it was just sort of like a normal guy listening to the radio. Right. Yeah. Because after all the people who listen to Rush Limbaugh, the 20 million must be 20 million neo-Nazis, of course. (laughs) That's right. Now, do you think that was so right? What drove their decision? Do you think it was just economics where they go, hey, this is a big audience and we don't need to alienate them? Or do you think it was just kind of a throwaway? They thought it was cool. I mean, what's their motivation? Because we know they lean to the left. Well, you know, I think it was, I think really their motivation was accuracy. I mean, they've spent a lot of time in Kentucky. They've talked to a lot of the marshals that, you know, and they, and, and, you know, the, I mean, let's face it. It's like, there's pro let's just say there's a higher percentage of conservatives among us marshals than there are among Hollywood liberals you know right. hollywood people in movie business so i think they were just sort of being accurate and it seemed right to them that you know a person like art mullen would probably listen to rush limbaugh that's a good point very fair point that actually funnily enough is is sure to not anger anyone we need to get you your your twitter persona out here just to make sure that you're throwing bombs <laughs> oh we'll get there we'll get there well okay so justified obviously I mean, you've, you have such a body of work, so let's talk about what you're doing now. You know, we just had Anne McElhinney on the show uh, last week. Oh, good. And, um, or two two weeks ago, she was talking about the fracking thing and, and the Ferguson play in particular. But Gosnell movie, you know, broke all the records for Indiegogo, uh, over two million raised. And then Clavin was named director, Andrew Clavin. In, no, uh, sorry, I, writer, and you I, are director. So how did how did that happen? And, I mean, there's a big difference between, right, just discussing a Letterman joke on set and doing something this bold. What's the reaction been like? Well, how it happened was that, you know, uh, Ann and Phelan and I have been friends and I sort of was involved in the fundraising campaign a little bit. And they asked me to recommend some directors. And so I recommended a couple of people and they met with them and, uh, you know, for whatever reason they were too busy or, you know, they didn't want to do a movie this grim. 
And, uh, you know, they came back and said, you know, anybody else? And I said, well, you know, I directed a movie a few years ago. Would you like to see it? You know, (laughs) I showed them a movie I directed almost 20 years ago. Um, and they, you know, they watched it. We had a couple of meetings after that and they decided to go with me. Um, I sort of felt like after talking to them that I really could direct this movie. And so I, I kind of, uh, the more I thought about it, the more I, I felt like it was calling me. So I, right. Uh, it's funny when you say talk with them. We'll get back to the grim subject matter in a second. But when you say talking with them, it usually means talking with Anne. Because I love Philin, but on the phone, I can never understand a word he says on the phone. <laughs> I'm the same way. I have to go, what? What? Do we have a translator? Right. <laughs> well, they both have accents, right? But when you talk to Philip on the phone, it's mumble like you sit there, it's kind of like sitting there like the movie Snatch. And then, but Anne, even though she has the accent, she enunciates it perfectly because yeah. she's very clear about it. So I'm like, okay, Anne, I can understand you on the phone. Philip, I love you, but I have to speak with you in person so I can read lips. <laughs> right. That's a very good impression of Anne. Oh, though. thank you. Hopefully, they'll still be friends after that. Um, now, you do talk about this, right? The grim subject matter. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, people talk about actors, you know, going into method acting. And listen, sometimes it's it's a little overblown, but you do definitely, in a way, submerse yourself into the project you're working on, right? You're talking about 22-hour days. A lot of people don't realize the, the amount of work that goes into a film. Have you had to guard yourself, or do you find yourself getting into a depressive state and dealing with Gosnell? Because I can't think of anything darker. Yeah, I mean, especially at the beginning. I mean, you know, in the opening it, when we started really working on the script and turning it into a shooting script and really visualizing it, it yeah it's very difficult because it's a movie that you have it's also a movie that you can't see everything that you're talking about because people just wouldn't be able to take it right so you you, you kind of have to find a way to tell the story without it being a festival of gore or or some sort of exploitative looking you know, horror film, you know, and so we managed to make it, I think, into a really compelling crime drama uh, and a courtroom drama, which is more about the, uh, you know, the detecting him and, and arresting him and convicting him. And it's it's not so much about, um, I mean, the, the, of course, the darkness of, of what he did is part of the story, but it's not the main part of the story, let's say. Of course, oh, for those listening or or seeing this right now, um, Kermit Cosnell, of course, a famous abortion doctor who, I mean, really, is, there's no other way to put it, a mass murderer by anybody's standards. So um, that's got to be tough to deal with. And like I said, I mean, sometimes people, and I know, I mean, you don't you teach, don't you have acting classes? No, I have a public service acting school, which is just a, maybe, it's just video classes, which I offer Free of charge as a public service to America. Oh, okay. Very nice. With Nick Searcy. You can find it on YouTube. This is true. Well, this is one thing. Okay, well, we're talking about Gosnell. Let's let's get off because it gets too serious. But one thing, though, when people, they can be so self-aggrandizing. I mean, we talk about wanting to be accurate, right? And that's true. But then when you have actors, and I've had friends like this who are going, you know, I'm playing a cop, so I went on a ride-along. I'm going, you think that you know what it's like to be a cop? Because you went on a ride along, not in Detroit, in Gross Point. Like, <laughs> there is yeah. a certain level of self importance, don't you think, that comes with, with, even though it's hard work, actors sometimes who make it seem a little bigger than it needs to be? Yes, absolutely, Stephen. But, you know, I mean, that's true of a lot of actors, not of me, of no, course. No, of course. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a self aggrandizer. Mm-hmm. And, and I have every right to be. 
you know, and I'm just, I don't choose to. No. Well, there's nothing you could say that would be self-aggrandizing short of calling yourself a demigod. That's true. It's not bragging if it happens to be true. Well, like an example, right? I got into an argument when the Heath Ledger thing, the Joker came up. So first, let me preface this. Probably one of the best performances ever in cinematic history. I went in ready to hate it because I thought there's no way he's going to top Jack Nicholson. You know, he's a hipster, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is just a bunch of hype. And I left saying, wow, that's amazing. But what did bother me is when it came out, the story, right, of how he passed away, which is tragic, even more tragic that he left children behind. Um, They go, well, it it was just the role consumed him. He was the Joker for, you know, nine months after that. And I'm going, really? Because I've been in enough film sets in my life. You believe that when they yelled cut, he was going to the craft services table going, can I have a ham sandwich? I mean, (laughs) it doesn't happen that way. Right. I, I do think that that is overblown. I think, and and every actor is different. I mean, some actors live in that role, you know, because they, they feel like they have to. And some are, you know, like me, you know, just, you know, that good enough? Okay. Be- <laughs> <laughs> the check's still six figures, right? Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. We're not, we haven't, we haven't lost my address, have we? Good. <laughs> Well, don't don't say it out loud because I'm sure there are people who would love that address right now and send you some, <laughs> send you some white powder in the mail. Oh well, I get, I get a lot of stuff in the mail. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> do you get actual like physical fan mail? Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, on the internet now, you can find anything. You know, so I get I get you know people send me. It's pretty harmless, you know. People send me pictures to sign, usually with a self addressed stamped envelope and you know as long as the letter that they write me is grammatically correct i usually fulfill the request <laughs> what? What? what you ever get anything i mean i've never gotten physical mail because I, I keep everything under wraps have you ever gotten something a little weird i mean because i would picture somebody who sending an email anyone can do but someone who takes the time to you know lick the envelope or you know stamp it with an old rubber seal as eh, a screw loose <laughs> Right. Yeah, I get, you know, I've gotten some prank calls, you know, I've gotten some uh, anonymous like envelopes with like, you know, I hate you. Why don't you shut your mouth? You know, old man, I hope you die soon. You know, stuff like that. (laughs) These are actually, these are actually very, at one point in history, that would be shocking. But compared to the YouTube comments section, that's incredibly friendly. (laughs) You old man, it's a lot, it's a lot milder than Jew fag, which I get, uh... We literally, the last interview we did, and I don't know if we're going to have to bleep this word syndicated terrestrially, we talked in the interview. It was with Andrew WK. We talked about people calling <laughs> calling me a Jew fag, even though I'm not Jewish or gay. And then literally like eight comments down, someone who clearly didn't watch the video, you and Andrew WK are a couple of Jew fags. Yeah. It's just a horrible no. place. It's it really is, you know. But uh, I always just tell them, "Hey, good luck in the seventh grade," you know. Right. What are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean, well, you're a pretty bright guy, and obviously, you know, conservatism lends itself to that. Um, and you you play it up, like I just got corrected today where we were talking about the you know Lord of the Flies conch shell, and I was like, it's conch shell. <laughs> I mean, right. how do you handle? Because you get so much of that, and I'm sure it's even worse in person on set. As a smart guy, do you just have to brush it off, or do you actually take time to correct everybody? You know, I don't get it much on set. I mean, people don't people don't come after me in person. You know, they they they, they don't have the balls to do that. Really, um, you know. But uh, on, on Twitter, I just try to to you know have fun with it. 
and just like you know make fun of people that are attacking me. Yeah, you're one of the few people. You you go the school of Andrew, where you you retweet it and you you know you you deal with it head on and you deal with it through humor. I, I usually just start bragging about what a big star I am, and that really infuriates. <laughs> Like I've never heard of you. Why do you keep saying you? you the volleyball had a bigger part than you and Castaway. Well, that's know, probably yeah. true. Yeah, it's true. He had more close-ups. <laughs> well, he also had the far, the furthest shot I've ever seen in film. Wilson. <laughs> right. But I always just tell him, you know, you really hurt my feelings. I'm going to have to go swim in my nice, fabulous pool now. Right. Is it a saltwater pool? Chlorine. It's we it's salt water. Oh That's, gosh, it's more expensive, but uh, I'm rich. You know? <laughs> You're literally pouring salt water on the wood. Uh, let's keep you for one more segment so we can get back to more poor stuff. Nick Searcy will be right back. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. We are back. Nick's your seat. Thanks for staying. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to take it from there, but uh, gosh, it is. It's it's funny. I mean, there was a time where people like you, though, even if these people say, well, you're not a big enough star. Wilson was a bigger star. Uh, you're. I mean, listen, OK, we're being honest. You're not Tom Hanks right from Castaway, but people know you when they see you. And Twitter has changed the level of accessibility with right. people like you. There used to be a point where I feel like if anyone saw you, they, they would be so starstruck because you see anyone in a film, you know, it's, oh, oh my gosh, that guy's a, a film star. And now with Twitter, since they can directly insult you all day, do, do you feel like that's sort of taking away some of the, the mystique of, of Hollywood? Yeah, absolutely, I do. And I'm not so sure that's a bad thing. I mean, you know, it's, it's sort of like Hollywood is always sort of through the year sort of sold itself as this like, you know, look at these royal people who are movie stars and, you know, everybody needs to, you know, they treat it, treat them as, uh, as something other than human, you know, and, and basically, you know, we're all just people. Even if I have more money than you, you know, it's, I'm still just a person. You know? Right. So, and, and Tom Hanks has more money than me and he's a person. And, and, you know, it's like acting is just a job and it happens to be a job that if you get very lucky, it can pay you very, very well. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's, it's just a job. Right. I, I'm not so sure that it's uh, I think the democratization that has happened with Twitter is not necessarily such a bad thing. Well, I think uh, that's a good point. We are all human, except for agents. They're subhuman. Right. Right. Absolutely. That goes and it's even worse. Oh. Manager. Oh, my gosh. What's always funny is, you know, <laughs> I mean, I've been with, you know, William Morris Paradigm and. The agents who come in, their sales pitch. I don't have you ever gotten this one where it's like, well, we're agents, but we act very managerially. <laughs> yes, I have heard that phrase. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, we function more like managers. Right. Like, that's plus, you know. And you're like, oh, so I don't need a manager. No, no, you should still have a manager and give them a cut. Yeah, and a lawyer. And right. A publisher. Yeah. Yeah. But we're we're gonna answer the phones for you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it, that is true. That's one thing. I, you know, when I went out in the entertainment industry, I remember uh, when I went out to LA. You know, and I and I um, had a few roles right away. Clip along. There's actually a good good story. We can maybe talk about the actors' union. Um, I wasn't allowed to step foot on set of ABC Family's Greek, even though I had been in a union in Canada since I was 12 years old, and it's supposed to be, you know, uh, reciprocated with ACTRA as Canadian and SAG, and they said, well, it is, but it's like a several thousand dollar fee. I said, well, okay, just take it out of my check. You know, you'll get that in the first episode here. I said, no, 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 you have to pay it up front. <laughs> so 
Um, my brother, fortunately enough, was one of the first YouTube partners. He made like he had a video get seven million plays, and he lent me the money, and I paid him right back as soon as I did the role. But I mean, think about it. That really is the entertainment industry, and I think this sort of it does stem from this narcissistic liberal mindset. I hate to politicize it. They do eat their young. Do, do you feel like that's a real problem? Eat their young in what sense? What do you mean? Well, I mean, they just they, they can't. I mean, th there's no one who comes out of that industry as a general rule who comes up through the system. I mean, you're, you're already successful now. You're an older gentleman. But it just seems to destroy young people. Like, it's corrosive to the soul. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I feel like that's a, a noticeable trend. Yeah, I think that I think it's very hard to start in this business, uh, you know, as a as a child or a young adult. And if you get a lot of success early on, you know, it's all based on what you look like at a certain point in your life. And right. if that right. look changes to the point that it's no longer marketable and you still think you should be treated the way you were treated when you were royalty because you were on a television show, it can really mess you up, you know, and and. And I, you know, I think it's, I think that's true to some degree at any stage. I didn't really get started in the film business until I was 31 or something. Yeah. I'd done a lot of plays, but I never. Well, could how get did that rest. happen then? I mean, most people at that point are winding down. If they haven't hit their home run by that point, they're packing their bags. What, what, what what's the story there? 31, Nick Searcy. Well, actually, I was thinking of packing my bags. We we had been in New York. My wife and I had been in New York for a long time. And, you know, I'd done a lot of plays, but never gotten a film career started. And then uh, she came up pregnant for, somehow. I don't know how that happened. But um, we decided we couldn't have the baby in New York City. So we were we moved back down to North Carolina. I was thinking of going back to school and maybe getting a master's degree or something. I got a little agent in North Carolina and... Since I'd been in New York, you know, they thought I was something special. So they sent me out a lot. And there were a lot of movies that were shooting in North Carolina back then. I sort of got a little part in Days of Thunder, a little part in Prince of Tides, you know, some other things that came in. And then I wound up reading for a little part in Fried Green Tomatoes. And John Avnet, the director of that movie, said, I want to read Nick for Frank. And I ended up reading for the main villain and got that part eventually in Fried Green Tomatoes. And that sort of gave me enough of a profile that I could uh now it was one hour photo before or after that mm, after that way after yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah okay that would make sense so we were seeing I'm like hey I don't remember Nick was in that you know that happens <laughs> yeah that was uh that was 2000 I think uh fried green tomatoes was 1991 that's kind of when it all started for Nick Cersei that's when it all started <laughs> well you know it's um it's it's funny you mentioned that. that was me with Montreal. I started when I was twelve, but I was fired. I was fired at fourteen uh, because my voice changed doing voice work. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's like you just sort of grow out of something, and they're like, well, "Okay, we don't need that anymore." Which I would think, you know, for me, it bred a really strong conservative worldview. I mean, I was raised in a Christian household. So that and no one, no one can say I was I was raised Christian. You have to choose at some point. Everyone does. But um, then what happened was, you know, being fired at fourteen and sink or swim and going out in auditions and the rejection. I thought like, well, this this isn't fair. Life isn't fair, and I just I'm just going to have to keep swinging the bat and be okay with failing. And uh, I thought they shouldn't be able to take half of my money once I do make it. <laughs> Literally, as a 13 year old, I was watching my Arthur checks and. Uh, I'm, I was amazed that not everyone in the entertainment industry felt that way going through those experiences. 
I know. I mean, yeah, it, it is confusing. I don't. I don't see how they think that that's fair. That uh, you know, you you struggle to try to build something. You starve. You you know, you you work odd job trying to build a career, and then finally, when you build one, they start going, "Oh, congratulations! I'll have half." Right. Yeah. Yeah, but it I, seems like yeah, there should be more outrage. Yeah. yeah, there there definitely should be, and um, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan, obviously, of unions in general and, and SAG. That was a real ordeal for me uh, when I switched over from Canada to the United States. But same thing, Montreal had a big film industry, um, like uh, like North Carolina, or was it North Carolina, or South Carolina? You said North Carolina. North, North Carolina. Carolina. People yeah. in South Carolina don't really travel much. They can't really cross state lines. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough to do with those. What do you call those things on the trains that you have to manually pump on the train tracks? Car, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they get around. Uh, and what's funny, I don't know if you've ever shot anything in Montreal, but it was a huge hotbed for film because you know you have Old Port Montreal. You can make it look like London. You can make it look like Paris, and then you can make it look like New York City. And then the unions came in and said, "Oh, there's this big industry. We can tax them more." And they tax themselves out of a huge industry. They don't shoot in Montreal anymore. Yeah, and that's what's happening in California. I mean, you know, every movie that's, uh, I mean, if you're Iron Man, you can shoot wherever you want because right. no matter what the tax rules are or the union rules, it doesn't matter. But if you're a, you know, a budget of five million or less, you just almost cannot shoot in California because of the tax benefits and the uh, the and the the conditions in a right to work state. It makes your money go so much farther, and so the. Entire film business is right now is in Atlanta, right? You know? And if they if they're not in Atlanta, it's because Atlanta's too full and they're spilling over into other areas. You know, everybody everybody's fleeing California. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there'll be a rebound effect? Do you think kind of like with I see now in my generation with feminism and the anti-gun crowd and the the political correctness, there's been a rejection of it. There's been a rebound a little bit. Do you think that'll happen with the entertainment industry because it's it's destroying itself in California? Well, one can hope, but I, I think what's happening in California is the, like all the sensible people are leaving. <laughs> it's like I'm stuck here, like with all these morons, you know. And like I can't leave because my wife and daughter love it here. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and and you know, my daughter kind of just considers it her home. And even though she's grown, I'm not going to move away from her. You know, she's uh, she doesn't live at home, but I don't want to be in a separate state from my daughter. You right. Know, so. Now, how many how many children do you have? I have two. I have a 25-year-old and a 15-year-old. Right, and the 15-year-old is the boy. Yeah. Now, did yeah. you? Now, are, are, I mean, you don't talk so much about. Are, I'm not revealing any private information by time. You, I mean, he's uh, an adoptive son, right? Yes, yes. We adopted Omar uh, when he was eight, uh, 15 months old. Okay. Been... So Omar. So I'm guessing he's not Scandinavian. No, he's not. He's African American or uh, black. Um, <gasps> How as, do you as, know? As some would say, and uh, and you know he's uh, we adopted him when we lived in North Carolina. Gosh, um, that makes so. it tough to go with the racist narrative as a conservative. But you know what's funny, and I will say this, and and I was guiding you there because I remember seeing a tweet to you, something like that, saying, "Oh, you know, yeah, why don't you show us your black son again to prove you're not racist?" You know. And right. liberals say that like, oh, this is just, yeah, that's not. You're gonna bring out your black friend or your black son to prove you're not racist, and just because they say that. It doesn't make it any less valid of an argument, because the fact is, it is a trump card. You clearly aren't racist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I always. Yeah. When they start that with me, I always tweak them back. I go, think about how prescient I was to a, to 
14 years ago adopt a black child because I would, knew I would need him as a tool to fight liberal. <laughs> <black people. laughs> you, that's, you, so, um, you filled it out in the questionnaire. And the reason for adopting child? Trump card. <laughs> it's your race in the hole against the race card. No, but it's true. And a lot of conservatives back away like, oh, well, I don't want to say I'm not racist because I have a lot of black friends. Or I don't want to say I'm not racist because, you know, I, I, I've adopted. But the fact is. It is an example of by racism by definition. You wouldn't be close to someone if you hated them based on race. And I remember reading that going, I don't remember. It might have been on Twitter. You could maybe correct me. I remember reading it going, yes, it does. It yeah. does prove that he's not racist. Well, you know, it's it's funny thing about transracial adoption. I mean, uh, liberals really have a big problem with it. They don't want to it, and 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 they, they, you know, they and the reason they have a big problem with it, the reason that they have so offended by the fact that I happen to be proud of my son Omar is that they themselves can't imagine doing that. They can't imagine adopting a child of a different race and they're projecting that onto me. Right. And I just right. laugh at them and just make fun of them and throw it right back in their face. And that's why I'm hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, before we go, because that's a, that's a very interesting point. Why do you think it is that they can't imagine doing that? Well, I think for the most part, leftists, whether they know it or not, are very invested in dividing us by race or gender or religion or whatever way they can do to divide us up into tribes so that they can control us and pit one of us against another. I think they're very invested in that. And they don't, if they, if we really had racial harmony where there really was, you know, the races got along fine and didn't resent each other. Mm -hmm. Liberals wouldn't have anything to do. They right. wouldn't. They would never be able to get elected if they, if that were true. I could not have said it perfectly more perfectly myself. So I have to get that grammar correct because you are yes Nick Searcy. You can follow him on Twitter at yes Nick Searcy. And Nick, autograph picture with grammar like that. I'll tell you. Right. And uh, we'll have to. Will you come back as we approach Gosnell movie its release and and, and give us some more info on that. Absolutely. Um, you know, as, as it gets closer and we have more info and we know who's in it and, you know, all that stuff, I'd love to come back. Absolutely. Gosnellmovie.com. Nick, thanks so much for stopping by, brother. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Stephen. Good to talk to you. Thank you. And we will be back with Louder with Crowder, more Louder with Crowder after. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Bet you didn't expect this voice coming in after that funky tune. The There's whitest a, man in show business. The whitest man in show business. That's not true. Let's be honest. When it comes to conservative radio, I am probably the most culturally in tune Let's say yeah, bilingual, by uh, national, yeah, by who knows what else. Who knows? Wow, come on now, that's you and the and the, what you said about the uh, the transgender thing that you would do. So we are back You're louder. With... That's that's not what that means. Oh, stop it, stop it. It's okay. We love you anyway. Nick Searcy, what a character. No, yeah. Okay, one of those like yeah, yeah. That uh, it is, you know, that show Justified is 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 it's one of those shows that's not political really at all. But a lot of you know Hollywood doesn't really realize that a lot of the 
the subtexts to their programming can be quite conservative. And that's a show there's often a clear delineation of good and evil. And uh, that's, the thing, that's just the thing, you know, a lot of leftists believe that everything's a gray area, kind of like when dealing with Islam here. And well, you know, what's really right, and it's about being culturally sensitive. You look at the biggest films, you look at the, 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 the most popular stories, there's a clear narrative of good and evil. People are inherently drawn to it. People inherently want to see good triumph over evil. And Justified is one of those shows. And we're at a point now where there's a divide between Americans, not even just Americans, I mean human beings who want to see that and the entertainment industry elite who want to constantly blur the lines. Yeah, fun dip. I'm a little bit concerned, though. Okay. My son, he's almost seven. He always roots for Darth Vader and the Empire. Really? Yeah. And I asked him why, and he says, because they have cooler costumes. Uh, you know, he might ditch his slave name and convert to the Nation of Islam. <laughs> I was like... You're rooting for the bad guys. He's like, but the bad guys are cooler. I could see that happening. He just may do that, Fun Dip. You may have a really serious problem on your hands. That kid's going to need some serious therapy, man. I have to ask him who he's rooting for in Jurassic Park, the dinosaurs or the humans? <laughs> Probably the dinosaurs. I think everyone's rooting for the dinosaurs, depending on who's uh I love it when they eat the lawyer, you know? It's like, yeah, eat the lawyer. The only one on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> I love that film. First Jurassic. I will tell you this when we're talking about films, the first Jurassic Park actually probably still has some of the best effects. It's gotten progressively worse because they were still close enough to having to use some physical, you know, props, some puppets and animatronics blended with CGI, whereas now they just go, ah, just toss them in front of a green screen. It's why The Hobbit looks way more fake than The Lord of the Rings. It's oh, yeah. It's gotten progressively worse. And Jared was telling me, what was the budget for the Hobbit? The Hobbit films was like a per film, two hundred fifty million per film for the Hobbit films, and it looks like a glorified YouTube video, as opposed to ninety million for the original. Uh, yeah, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy is spot on. It looks w well. It looks way better because they were using real locations and costumes, and then CGI was a component. But now you have this Michael Bay syndrome where CGI is the film. And I know I sound like an old fogey. I just, you know, I, I don't mind some special effects. But come on, let's, let's create a story arc here. All right, we have a lot to get into. We're going to have Gerald Morgan after the break to discuss some theology surrounding Islam. Uh, Deflategate is a big deal this week. I know Fundup's going, what? I don't even care. Apparently, Tom Brady knew about a ball. I am very confused as to why, if they're using the same ball going in both directions on the football field, why wouldn't it just be beneficial to both teams instead of one? Yeah, you know, I don't know. If well, it's I guess, squishy for this team, it's squishy for that team. I guess if they know. Uh, you know, I, this, this is a subject we probably shouldn't wade into because our ignorance is showing. I played football. In uh, when I was 12, 11? if you played football in Canada, dude, that was soccer. Yeah, <laughs> no Canadian football. I never understood the rules, and we won provincials, so that's like winning state. I, I was eleven, so we didn't only win provincials; we won it like sixty-two or sixty-four nothing. Our final game, we didn't lose a single game all season, and I just kind of thought. Eh. And my dad said, "Listen, if you're not liking it now, it doesn't get more fun than." than this it doesn't get more fun than being the best team uh in the province 
probably in the country by far. So you should you should you should lace them up. I said, okay. Uh, someone just tweeted us again. You can tweet us at s Crowder. Eric Soderstrom tweeted us that uh, teams don't use the same balls in football. So seriously, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to talk. About, and also interesting after the break. I don't know if you saw this. Liberals now in Australia. Uh, not just small factions, powerful liberals believe that having strong families are an unfair advantage and want to uh, take them away. So we'll bring that to you more after the break. Louder with Crowder. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 say, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades, all of it can be found at AR15.com. That's AR15.com. Good day to you. Weekend is always a good time. So you like to sing, you like to dance to the happy songs. That's what we do. Oh yeah, we dance, we dance to the happy songs, and we, uh, you know, you know, we uh, we piss off Muslims. So, <laughs> hi, listeners in Dearborn. Ugh, 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 Dearborn, Michigan. Hey, yeah. there's a lot of awesome restaurants in Dearborn and some good record stores. There are a lot of awesome restaurants. One of my favorite restaurants, they were found to be actually funneling money to Hezbollah. <laughs> I know. That was an awesome story back was in that, the day. Was that Lashish? Yeah, it was Lashish. Uh, is it the one that's now Palm Palace? Um, the one here in the Ann Arbor area was completely separate from that. That was a franchise. That guy was totally innocent, but he had to change that name of that place quick. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's one of those things where, you know, the anti-Muslim defamation league is going to come out, and this is not the... Come on, man. I mean, it's just... Even, let's say, there are some good Muslims out there, obviously, who, who don't follow Muhammad, right? Generally secular Muslims. Just... Go, all right, we've got a problem. Just face, just just fess up to it. It's like actually right now, um, one of the biggest stars in sports, a guy named John Jones, UFC light heavyweight champion. Now, for those of you who don't know, who are going, it's not politics. Well, trust me, it's going to come back around. He is the most dominant combat athlete ever. Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, you'd put John Jones up there. And a lot of you don't know because you don't watch the UFC. Martian but- Manhunter? I have no idea what you're talking about. John Jones. Was he a Martian manhunter? Yeah. I don't know. And I know. Let me finish. So the point is, he's the most dominant athlete there is, really. And he just tested, just was involved, involved in a hit and run. They found, uh, he's tested positive for cocaine. They found drugs in his car. So he's been stripped of his title, right? Well, when he tested positive for cocaine, we talked about this with Chael Sonnen on the show not long ago. He went into rehab and so publicly it was released they had their pr you know meeting 
John Jones checked into rehab. He didn't even shut off the Bentley. He left it running. He checked into rehab, signed his paper, and checked his ass right back out. <laughs> so, and it's, it's one thing to do publicly to say, hey, it was one time. And I get it because you're dealing with a lot of shame. Right? There's a lot of shame that comes with these kinds of things when they're hung around your neck, whether it's drug addiction or whether it's terrorism, uh, to which your religion has a very, very notable proclivity. But you can't be dishonest with your doctors. You can't be dishonest with the people who are trying to help you. You can't be dishonest within your own community, right? You can tell people, oh, I, you know, I, I used to have a problem with drinking, but uh, I'm, I'm done. You know, I can have a beer on the weekend, right? If you want to do that publicly because there's shame, I can understand it. But what's wrong is going to an AA meeting and lying about it. Because it's counterproductive. The only way you get through it, the only way you fix it is if you level with people and say, you know what? I have a problem. Or in the case of Islam and terrorism, we have a problem. Let's just be honest about it. I know publicly we've got to keep up appearances, love. But let's be honest about this. Let's talk about it and let's solve it. And you don't see that in the Muslim, not the terrorist community, in the general Muslim community. You don't see that. And, and, and that's why people are getting pretty tired of it. Is that kind of like when you go on a diet but you sneak off to Tim Hortons and you get donuts? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess because you're putting up, an, you're putting up a face for everyone else, but you're not being honest with yourself. You know, that's kind of we talk about that a lot on this show. It's, it's one thing to not let your enemies see you bleed. I get that. But at the end of the day, you have to look yourself in the mirror. Say, am I, am I being honest with myself? Did I do everything I could do to, to be genuine here, to be authentic? Whether it's a diet, whether it's your beliefs, like we talked about the f sort of fakers out there in conservatism, or Islam right now. Like you said, I mean, yeah, okay, that guy was a, a innocent who was part of a franchise owner with the, the restaurant that wasn't funneling money to Hezbollah. But what? how, how common is it for other restaurants, non-Muslim restaurants, to be funneling money to terrorist organizations? Why is it even a constant problem in the United States? Remember that Muslim League, the anti-hate speech Muslim League, the guy in yeah. Canada? He yeah. ran some kind of a TV network. He decapitated his wife. You, you, you don't hear, I mean, you know, it, it, you don't hear about that anywhere else. And like we're talking about, that's that's the furthest, right? That's the most extreme when we're dealing with Islam. The most extreme is blowing someone up, blowing up a bus, right? The Hamas, the, the Al-Qaeda, the Taliban. But let's scale it back a little bit. And that's the problem. They're so extreme that they've desensitized people to things that should already be extremely offensive to the ideas of freedom. So not everyone's blowing everyone up. You know, they're not all like Muhammad calling for the deaths of all people who are not Muslim. Not all of them, but let's scale it back. A huge percentage of them still believe that converting from Islam should be punishable by death. 70-something percent of Muslims across the globe. Um, let, let's, let's scale it back even. Okay, well, th that's really bad. That's extremist. It's, it's not 90%. Okay, an even bigger percentage believe that drawing Muhammad should come with a punishment under Islam. Uh, what, what, what's extremist enough? At what, what point do we have to tolerate it, right, in, in our stupid, multiculturalist, bullcrap, politically correct world that we live in now? Where is this line? How is that? To me, that's enough. To me, if we were to see anyone else right now, if 
the Westboro Baptist Church, who gets way more press than they ever deserve, were to say, hey, if you draw a picture of Jesus, we're going to come and picket your news network, your show, your funeral with, with signs that says these fags are going to hell, as they always do. Right? That would be national news. Yeah, fun day. They're going to bombard your fax machine. Right, I know. They do that with you as a producer. They drive me nuts. But that would be national news. It is often national news, right? Because what they do is offensive. It is vastly more offensive to me for someone to be able to tell me that I cannot draw a picture. And that's what a vast majority of Muslims believe. Again, even if they're just a nice, nice Muslims living there in Dearborn, who you go to their restaurants and you enjoy their company, when it comes down to it, Behind closed doors at their table, they think it's really, really wrong for someone to draw a picture. And this is a point here, too, that really bothers me is you have like, you know, people like uh, Bill O'Reilly. Of course, you have MSNBC and conservatives like, oh, liberals. Well, let's be honest, okay? Let's clean house in our own sphere here. You have a lot of conservatives saying, well, you know, this is designed to provoke. This is, it wasn't even like it was a vulgar cartoon. If you go to Lotto with Credit, we have the cartoon up. The cartoon was a picture of Muhammad and a picture of a man drawing him. It's kind of like an Escher. Right. And Muhammad says, you cannot draw me. And the hand, and there's a little little caption that says, this is why I draw you. That's not offensive. By the way, it's not as offensive as the piss Christ is what it was called. It's not as offensive as that as putting a crucifix in a a pool of of urine. This wasn't designed to be. Now, listen, I'm offensive to Islam, and I should be. That's why I feel a kinship with someone like Pamela Go. And say what you want about her. Some people, you know, think she's she's brash, and she is. I mean, listen, it's just her personality. But every single American right now should be standing up for this freedom. It's not, should you, should you not? If it sounds repetitive when we talk about this, it's because this is the issue of our time, is, is the First Amendment. And if we're going to talk about this, let's talk about it honestly. We're going to say, well, listen, you're just being hateful because you know that this incites. You're right. I do know that it's incendiary. And that's why we have to do it. Because drawing a picture to nobody else is hate. You can draw a picture of Jesus. You can draw a picture of Buddha. You can draw a picture of Vishnu. All of that. And you don't have to fear anything. The only people who have a problem with it are Muslims. And you don't get to tell us that that is no longer acceptable. They say it's hateful. Well, let me ask you this. If it's ethnocentric, if it's discriminatory, if it's prejudice for us because we're infringing on their culture, right? That's the argument at this point. Culturally, you shouldn't want to offend. Well, how is it not more hateful for Muslims, not terrorists, yes, all Muslims, all people who follow Muhammad, how is it not more hateful for them to infringe on our culture? Our culture, American culture, uh, the First Amendment is freedom of speech. The First Amendment is we have the right to do this. How is it not hateful for them to infringe on basically the first tenet of our culture, which is we do have the right to draw Muhammad? This is far down their list, you know, of jihad, don't draw Muhammad. It's not even number one. For us, it's number one that we have the right. Why is it not considered hateful for them to say, screw your laws, Screw your culture. Screw the fact that you had some of, one of, some of the bloodiest wars in history to make sure that you had the right to draw whatever the hell you want. Screw that because one of us is going to get offended. And by the way, we can't protect you if someone tries to blow you up. I, I don't. I, I can tweet me at S Crowder. Is that, is that is there something that's lost on me there? That how that's not considered hateful. One of the other things that I find interesting is that most religions do or create art of their deities. Uh, 
They'll right. create paintings of Jesus or Mary or or they'll create paintings and sculptures of the other deities, you know, the the elephant one and all sure. of those. Well, <laughs> I don't know the names of them. I, you know, it's all crazy well, to me. Well, funny. I have a story about that. You're talking about um gosh, it's not Vishnu. Ganesh. I'm trying to remember. I think it's yeah, I think that's where Ganesh. And I remember in the 7th grade we had a project. Her name was um Savika. And we were friends. We had a project in the seventh grade. Introduce yourself to someone. Learn about them. And so it was me and Savika, and you had to learn about them. And she said, well, I'm from, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a West, East Indian, or I don't know if she was West Indian, East Indian. I can't remember. Anyways, and I said, oh, okay, so what's your religion? You know, she asked me. I was a Christian. I gave her all that. And I said, what's your religion? She said, uh, Hindu. I said, oh, okay, so who's, who's your god? So well, we have many gods, and the main one is Vishnu. I said, oh, is that the, the elephant with the eight arms? And she said, no, and that's very offensive. I said, what? She's like, our, our God is not an elephant with eight arms. And I said, well, I, I'm sorry. I just, I've seen that somewhere. She's like, that's, that's Ganesh. I said, oh, so you do have a God that's an elephant with eight arms. And you're going to act like you're wounded emotionally because I got the wrong one. By the way, it's silly. <laughs> it's silly. Are you saying, you're just saying that religion is, yes, I think your religion's silly. I All think it is silly. All religions are silly. Oh, there you go. You can say that. But I think. When, when it comes down to it, I think an elephant with eight arms is a little bit sillier. Sorry. It's just my opinion. I'm offended. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. File your complaint with the HR department of the elephant with eight arms. See if they get back to you. And then come back to me, and I'll tell you how much I don't care. We'll talk more about how much I don't care after this break because we kind of have to do it. But, um, you know, just... When it comes to Vishnu and Ganesh, get your gods right. Some of them have a few arms. Some of them have eight arms. And um, someone's going to get offended no matter no matter what you say. Just make sure. Is it Ganesh or Dinesh? It's Dinesh D'Souza. <laughs> we worship the god of tax evasion. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Glad to be back. Unfortunately, I don't get to hear. Glad to be back. Fundip is is dealing with his new phone. You can follow him on Twitter at FundipDan, and he's just completely distracted and uh, leaving me uh, out here left in the lurch. So we were talking about Islam before the break and Hinduism and religions that I believe are silly. Listen, it's just an opinion just an opinion. I'm just honest about my opinion. I think it's silly. You're being ethnocentric. Okay. You're just saying you think that you're you think that uh you think that Jesus is more valid than Vishnu? Yes. Kalis is the one true. Kalis. Kalis? Look it up. Is this a Star Trek thing? Yeah, you figured me out. Yeah, I figured you out. I uh you think it's more valid than uh, L. Ron Hubbard? Yeah, I think someone who's probably had the most historical impact of any figure, whether you believe he was God in the flesh or not, and Jesus Christ, I believe carries a little more weight than a science fiction novelist. Just an opinion. It is just an opinion. You can sue me, or, you know, listen, I would be more, if there are Scientologists out there listening, whether it's Michigan, Alaska, podcast, glad to have you listening, appreciate it. If you want to sit me down and uh, strap those electrodes to me and test my thetan levels, let's go right ahead. I'm more than game to learn about it. 
I want to test your midichlorian levels. Midichlorian. See how much you have in force power. Enough with the Star Wars references. Hey, well, Nobody I had to, I had to balance you. it back out from my Star Trek reference. You know, no, you I don't didn't. want people to think I'm a dork. You didn't have to balance it. That's the thing. There, it didn't have to be balanced. None of them had to be mentioned. Wait till I start talking about Doctor Who. Well, no, then I'll just hit mute. So... <laughs> This is an actual story, Fundip. Comes to us from Australia. And the reason it's important to talk about this, we're going to clean the palate because we'll bring Gerald Morgan on in the third hour here to talk about Islam. And he actually is a Christian apologist who, who knows quite a bit. He taught courses at churches on Islam and the, the variances of different sects and how it, uh, how it sort of, I guess, diverges from Christianity. A lot of people don't realize that Islam is basically what some people would call a Christian cult. It's an offshoot of the Old Testament. They claim to use the New Testament, and then they add prophets after the New Testament. They add books, and those books supersede the old books. So like a lot of other Christian cults, they have to be careful here. Um, it, it meets the definition. Of course, they don't really worship the same God. They worship an imaginary moon God who gets offended if you draw someone. So we'll go back to that. But right now, this comes to us. You can go ladderwithcredit.com. Tweet me what you think at S. Crowder comes to us from Australia. There is an actual movement in Australia, the land, of course, of, of leftists and things that can kill you. That's the thing with Australia. Every single animal that is poisonous, venomous, or has big enough teeth packed their crap and moved to Australia. It's a horrifying place. I went to Outback Steakhouse this once. This better not be a Star Wars reference. No. I went to Outback Steakhouse once, and I ended up in the hospital. So, yeah, Australia has stuff that can kill you. From Outback? Yeah, the, I had the Bloomin' Onion, and I ended up having to get my gallbladder out. Was it because of the Bloomin' Onion? It gave me the worst attack in the history of mankind. Good Lord. Never, ever again Caref will, Caref I, will I set foot in that joint. Oh, well, their food sucks. Their food's just terrible. It, it's, it's like the... Um, I don't, even, I don't even want to say Applebee's of steakhouse. There's nothing good at Outback. Anyways, let's continue. The point is with Australia. So these are liberal, I guess you'd say philosophers, professors, and they've been studying this for a while, and there actually is a movement afoot in Australia to destroy the family, to abolish it. Why? Let me read you the exact quote. One way they might think about solving the social justice, again, social justice problem, would be by simply abolishing the family. If the family is the source of unfairness in society, then it looks plausible to think that if we abolished the family, there would be a more level playing field. One more quote. What we realized, this is from their studies, what we realized we needed was a way of thinking about what it was we wanted to allow parents to do for their children and what it was we didn't need to allow parents to do for their children. If allowing those activities would create unfairness for other people's children, we would need to address it. And, of course, they go on to talk about reading books to your children. They notice that children who have parents reading to them tend to do better. And people in more poor families don't have parents who read to them as often, and so they tend to do more poorly. Therefore, to solve the social justice problem, we need to abolish the family. This is why it's important. You, you don't see me getting up and, oh, America, you know, you get two, you get two guys getting married. It's gonna, we're not doing that thing here. But... There is validity to concern, uh, to the concern that leftists are looking to destroy the modern American family. And you see it here. You see it where they've gone around the bend in places like the UK, in places like Australia, where they've yielded to political correctness for a long time. You can see it already. They, they gave Islam an inch in England. Look where they are. They've given political correctness 
a mile in Australia. Australia, look where they are. And especially when left to start off from how do we solve the social justice problem? How do we, there's inequality. How do we solve it? How do we create equal outcomes? It's a, it's a fundamental false premise, of course. There's no guarantee of equal outcomes, only equality of opportunity. We know that as conservatives. And that's the thing. Really, I hate necessarily even the term conservatives now, just as Americans. I don't really believe that you can be a modern leftist and be an American anymore. I don't believe you can be American, believe in Americanism. Uh, oh, I don't believe in isms. You should. If you live in America, America is an ism. That's important to know. You have someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson who gets up and talks about science, and he goes, I don't believe in any isms. I believe in science. Really, Neil? Well, guess what? Science and facts and data is what kept people slaves. There was an economic interest. An ism freed the slaves. An ideology freed the slaves. People said, I believe in the ism of Americanism, of freedom. Yeah, but we could make more money if we... That, that doesn't matter. We're going to have to fight to end this. So it's important. Listen, you can't say that all ideologies are equal and create a false moral equivalency. Isms do matter. And it's important for you to have a worldview. It's important for you to think for yourselves, but it is important for you to have a worldview. So when people try and act as though they're intellectual, uh, intellectually superior because I don't believe in isms, you know, like John Lennon said that... Those people are the most easily fooled, and you see that with Australia, because they don't believe in the ism of something like Americanism. Liberals come at it from, let's provide equal outcomes. And, well, whatever it takes, if that means destroying the family, if that means making it illegal for parents to read to their kids, that'll create more equal outcomes. So, therefore, it is for the greater good. The, the, ends, the, the means justify the end. The end justifies the means. Sorry, I, I messed that up. This is happening in Australia, and it could be coming to America. How about this? Oh, if kids are doing better, let's encourage every other family to emulate those things. Let's say, hey, poor people, spend more time reading to your kids. First, they got to learn how to read themselves. Oh, good Lord. We're going to get letters. Louder with Crowder. We'll be right back. <laughs> You're listening to Louder with Crowder. We are back. Louder with Crowder. Glad to have you and glad to have your friends with you because it's nice to have a friend. Obviously, the big story we've been talking about quite a bit today is the Garland shooting. Um, I mean, you don't really want to say shooting. I mean, it's if anything, I, I'm just amazed that liberals are upset and it's a controversy. I mean, it should be a celebration in any society ever, since the beginning of ever, prior to this. If evil people were killed, you had yourself some frickin' mead and grog and celebrated. We have, we have driven our enemies before us and heard the lamentations of their women. And now we just, well, really, I don't, I just, wouldn't there have been a way to solve it without shooting the terrorists? Did we have to draw a picture of Muhammad? I, I just... Uh, it's frustrating. It's just frustrating. It really is. Like, and, I, and people have noticed, you know, I've been a, a little bit on the war path this week. If you've been following me uh, at S. Crowder on Twitter or, or going to the site, 
which we encourage you to do, by the way. That's uh, that, that's the way we make a living is LotterWithCredit.com. Just check it. Check it for your news. We always bring in news and strong opinion and videos. Um, I, what really bothered me, we've talked about Islam for a long time. That's the obvious. Uh, we've talked about the extremists are the obvious. But the non-extremists are, are the less obvious, the issue that people aren't, aren't really discussing, that the non-extremists still believe you should be punished for drawing a picture. And then the issue that really bothers me more than anything is the conservatives. The conservatives who bend over. The conservatives who, who, who yield. There can be no yielding right now. There can be none. There can be none. And when you decide, well, we're not going to run the, 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 the cartoons because we want to be sensitive, you shouldn't be sensitive. You should, this is a time to be completely insensitive. Just like that story we were talking about with the leftists in Australia saying, well, the family is an unfair advantage. Well, some kids don't have parents who read to them. Sorry. Well, you're being insensitive. Okay. You're being ethnocentric. Fine. Do you mean to say that your do you mean to say that your religion is better than theirs? Yes. Do you mean to say that America is is a better nation, a more morally, a more altruistic nation than yes. I mean I'm just isn't it obvious? Is it not obvious? Well, we go over and we we go over and we bomb people and nobody ever used the atom bomb then the United States is the only place to ever use it. Okay, here's one thing. They say the United States is the only place to use the A-bomb. Sure, Germany is the only place to gas 7 million Jews, dumbass. Is that, check is that checkmate? Is it just me? Is it game, set, match? Uh, we dropped the bomb in Japan. I know we dropped the bomb in Japan, but the axis of... What do you think, I'm Bluto Blutarski? <laughs> Did we run away with the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor? The point is, <laughs> acts of evil, who Japan supported, that's the only place to gas millions of Jews. That is evil. Killing the people who assisted with that is not evil. Muslims kill people for drawing pictures. That's evil. Killing the Muslims who want to kill people for drawing pictures is not evil. Why do we have to act as though there's any kind of an equivalency? I mean, fund you're not even. I mean, you're not even a conservative, right? You're you're you're. you're I'm, right on some I'm conservative on on a fair amount of issues. We but, don't need your resume. Yeah, okay, yeah. You, you're gonna. Well, I'm conservative, and then you're always gonna put. I support gay. Like we get it. Okay, but you can go to Twitter for my resume. Yeah, you can go to at Fund Dan. But it, this this is an example as someone who's an out, you know, more of an outsider who's not in the echo chamber. <laughs> I'm an is outsider it just me? for sure. Or is this is this just the obvious that should go without saying? Well, like I look at religion all as a little bit loony, but when I look at one that can't even handle a cartoon being drawn, I think, what a bunch of friggin' crybabies! It's like, come on, it's a friggin' drawing. It's just they're crybabies. They're like, eh, nah, nah. so it, it bothers me. <laughs> I hate anybody. That was the least poignant. <laughs> That's very well, poignant. I mean, you're think a about cry it. Baby. They're blowing stuff up, Fun Dip. That's beyond crybaby. But it it comes down to like the basic fundamental foundation of it is you do my god, wah. I'm gonna blow your stuff up. 
It's like, shut up, you moron. Doesn't it sound like that? It's a little more dramatic than that. Okay. I'm going to blow your stuff up. Wah. So, but I mean, really, it just comes down it to. it louder doesn't make, <laughs> doesn't make it any, more, any less trivial. It still comes down to that basic sense of. Oh, they're cowards. Don't hurt our religion. Don't say anything bad about our religion. Like, say something bad about every religion. It balances the world. Well, that's that's a good point. That's true. Yeah. And by the way, we're going to anger some people right now. My grandfather was in the Air Force. He said there are no more cowardly soldiers than uh, than Arabic soldiers. So they're they'll, they're the first to they're the f- first to fly the white flag. You know, it's different if it's jihad. But for those who aren't married into the jihad thing, they just tuck tail. Um, and and of course, I think he meant cowardly too. Same thing. You know, look at the people who complain with Guantanamo Bay. Well, they only have five choices of meals. They have normal, they have vegetarian, they have those for, for the people who are sensitive of stomach, and they have those uh, who, who don't have teeth. What about the people who are vegan halal who don't have teeth and have acid reflux? <laughs> We're animals! See, that's what I was saying. <laughs> Leave terrorists alone! What did they ever do for you? You bastard! <laughs> Leave him alone! Please! Leave terrorists alone! For those who don't remember the Chris Crocker reference, that's what I was doing. People are All right, we're going to go to a break and bring out an expert after this, Gerald Morgan, who knows what he's talking about with Islam. And uh, please forgive me. I'm just at the... I'm at my wit's end here. I'm at the point where I have no more tolerance. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with expert timing. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Visit louderwithcrowder.com. So glad to have you back with us. I am glad. I hope our next guest is glad. Our next guest, the problem is we had him on so much because there's always terrorist activity, and that's kind of way it's go-to. So it's it's we, it's with a heavy heart that we bring our guest back, uh, Christian apologetics professor, neuroscientist, open-heart surgeon, and also he actually he was the reason Lance Bass never got to go to the moon because he was the one who had the seat. Gerald Morgan, thanks for being with us. <laughs> well, at least they could have done one thing right. <laughs> this is true. So you come to us. You're, I know you're in you're in Houston, Texas, right now. So you're new, not too far from uh, the whole Garland fiasco. No, I grew up in Mesquite, Texas, right next to Garland, and uh, parents went to Garland High School, so I'm very familiar with the area, and I, I just. I, I don't think the terrorists realize what they were doing. Um, us Texans are pretty—we're pretty outspoken about the fact that we carry guns and that we don't run away. So, if you're if you're really going to try to push an ideology here with violence, um, yeah, this is probably not the best place to do it. We're going to fire back, and we're not going to stop till we get here. So, and and just like you said, Stephen, if somebody comes and shoots at me. I'm not evil for killing them. I'm sorry. And I'm not evil for not trying to wing them either. I'm not shooting for knees, 
I'm not shooting for arms. I'm going center mass and multiple shots. I, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying there yeah. is evil in the world. It's time for us to realize that. And when they show themselves and they try to kill other people, ball game done. It's over. Well, no not only not only that, but I was saying, and now fun to get off your damn phone. This is the problem. Fundit gets a new phone, and then he's completely distracted. I'm trying to tweet that Gerald Morgan is on the radio with us. I already handled it. It's going to take Fundip is hunting and pecking, and it's going to take him 20 minutes. We got it, Fundip. <laughs> uh, am I the only one, Gerald? Because I've seen people saying, well, you know, obviously it's sad anytime lives are lost. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it puts us in a little bit of a, a predicament. As Christians, we don't want anybody to go to hell, right? We don't want, we don't want Muslims to go to hell because they don't believe in Jesus, um, you know, or anything like that. We don't want people to do the things that they do. But at a certain point, we all ran and celebrated the death of Osama bin Laden like it, it was Christmas Eve. I mean, it was, it was midnight, I think, or somewhere really close to it, and people running in the streets celebrating. And we don't, we're not celebrating the death of a person. We're celebrating that somebody who tried to kill, in his case, thousands and thousands and thousands of Americans, he wanted to kill even more than that, is no longer able to try and kill us. That's what we're celebrating. And in this case, in Garland, we're saying, hey, sorry, these guys, if they had shown up with a protest sign and stood across the street, they'd be alive today. Right? And they right. would have been exercising their rights just as the people there drawing pictures of their so called God, Muhammad. Right or prophet? Excuse me. Prophet, yeah. They would don't have say been exercising. Yeah. Well, yeah, would have been exercising their rights as well. That's that's what this is all about. It's not about offending people. I get offended all the time. I'm in Houston today. Last night I was driving around and I saw a sign that said Muhammad, big billboard. Muhammad is for peace, social justice, and women's rights. Now I'm offended because that's not truth. And see, and that's why it's important for you and I to have these conversations and to not back down from this because that's what's out in the community. People are being told that this is what this guy was about, and history does it's, and not it's such support a, that. It's such a stretch, too. I mean, you can make that argument about Christ. Now, again, social justice doesn't mean everybody gets what they want, but Jesus was one of the first people to actively you know, have women in roles of, of um, forms of leadership and, and gave them certain levels of authority and talked about treating them as the best among you. That wasn't commonplace yeah. back then. Muhammad doesn't, if he's a, he's not only is he not a champion for social justice, I think a lot of people miss this, Gerald, and I'm sure you can talk to it more effectively than I can. It's not just drawing Muhammad. Muslims have, have not created good art, historically speaking. It's been insignificant always because they don't even believe in portraying the human form. That's against Islam. Yeah, and I think it's fun to deny, I guess, we're, we're talking right before the break, and I think it's like, how did this rule come about? Like, I, I don't really understand. Was there a competition and nobody could draw really well? And they're like, ah, oh, screw it. We're just going to make it illegal and, and we're going to kill people. <laughs> I get the it. sense I, I, that when you're... I don't, I don't understand. I mean, when your religion is coming from one illiterate hack like Muhammad, I get the sense that just whatever he didn't like, he just like, there's a rule about that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, no, no, no. That's fun. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> Like, uh, well, you know, uh, well, you shouldn't hit women. Uh, you can only hit them lightly so you don't see bruises. <laughs> like, people are like, hey, we're hosting a drawing competition. Oh, this is going to be gold. And he submitted it, and it just did really, he, like, got last place. No, yeah. Allah told me, no more drawing. It's not allowed. No more human form. You can only do landscapes. Allah's rules, not mine. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I, I totally agree with you, man. It's just like the, a bad movie, The Dictator, you know, and it's just like that version where he just changes the rules every time something doesn't suit him. Well, let's talk about um, this, Gerald, since you, you know Islam really well. Okay, people say, I was talking about this. Obviously, you have the extremists who blow people up, and that's not all Muslims. Yeah. But right. is it part of the Islamic faith that you that conversion or things like drawing Muhammad are punishable offenses under Islam. Is that act, is that a perversion or is that part of Islam? That is absolutely part of Islam. And anytime you want to determine what a religion is about, there are bad Christians, there are good Christians, there are bad Muslims, there are good Muslims. I will I will grant you that and let's just put that aside. Go to the book, right? Go to what the book tells you to do. What does the Bible tell you to do? It tells you to love one another. It tells you to tell people about the gospel, the good news, right? That the freedom has come. Okay, this is a great message. What does the Quran tell you to do? It basically tells you, okay, go tell people, and if they don't listen, and they want to live near you, and they want to be another religion, so we're going to tax them for a little while, and then, then you can kill them because later on they're they're not going to convert, and we get to kill them. Right. And I, I just it floors me that people don't get that because if you show me a Muslim who doesn't believe that it's okay in the end to kill because of people not believing or that they can't kill somebody because they're proselytizing and getting people to convert to another religion or that they don't hate the Jews, I'll show you a non-practicing Muslim. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you say that, and then people say, well, what about Christians? So I want to play, uh, I want to do a little role-playing here, Gerald. Sure. Okay. Fundit finally just came back. You know, he, you know he just left and started using his phone so that he didn't get in trouble. <laughs> Okay, so let's 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 play a game here, Gerald. I want you to ask me a question. Okay, uh, ask me what I if I believe that people who convert from Christianity should be killed. Let's start with that. Stephen, do you believe that people who convert from Christianity should be killed? No. Huh. How well, complicated is that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, that's the thing, and you can't get that. You cannot get over 900 million Muslims, not jihadists, 900 million Muslims say yes. I know. I know, and it it floors me, because how insecure are you in your religion when you don't allow questioning, you don't allow any kind of insight to be gained by talking to one another and saying, well, I don't really know if this is true or not. You don't get to say that. You just get, you know, excommunicated at best and killed at worst in certain countries right now. I mean, if they had it their way, it would be Sharia law everywhere. Right. And they would be able to do even more than they are able to do right now. We we don't see half of it. We do not see half of what goes on in these countries. Because honestly, once we're past the oil, we really don't care. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying that's all these countries have to offer in the Middle East. Right. If not for that, we probably aren't talking much about this because these, these guys don't matter to us. And I, I don't... <laughs> Hold I don't on a second. Fundip just texted me. Fundip, t- <laughs> tell the audience what you just texted me. I'm so embarrassed. The doorbell never rings in the morning. I mean, never. And we had just got done talking about, you know, the whole Muslim thing. Well, you you were still talking about it, but I had shut my mic off to kind of you know concentrate on running the equipment. Doorbell rings. I'm like, oh man, is that terrorists <laughs> at the door? So I press the button to look out through the little camera, and I don't see anybody. So then I go to the one door and I look through the little peephole, and the other door through the peephole, 
And I'm like, I don't want to go to the one big window in case it is terrorists. Uh, I'm, sca- I'm scared terrorists. to death to be your friend, Stephen. <laughs> I don't think terrorists ring the doorbell. I don't think uh, I don't think ISIS is going. Hey, hey, let's go ding dong ditch. <laughs> <laughs> ding dong boom. Like, boom. Oh. oh my gosh. Uh, this is this is the point though. Fund it right here. This shouldn't be a problem. This shouldn't be what you think when you when you try to speak truth in our society. It has never been okay for people to be afraid to speak truth here. We've always fought against that every single time, no matter what it's been in our history. Yeah, I've and been that's the problem that we have right now. Media, they're cowering down because they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to, I don't want to get killed is what they're saying. They're not saying I don't want to offend. They're saying I don't want to get killed because of this. Well, yeah, that's the part that may. I hate it when they play it as I don't want to offend because it really is I don't want to get killed. Yeah. But they oftentimes try to say, I just don't want to offend. It's obnoxious. It is more than obnoxious. It's more than obnoxious. And we're done. We're done. Yeah, I'm I'm done with it. I'm done with this. Just just like you said, Stephen, it's over. We're done. Do you want to go around and kill people because of their ideology? Fine. Fine. You know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna be packing too. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Don't pick a fight with somebody who can take care of themselves. This is absolutely true, and they learned that lesson the hard way with the Texas. Uh, you know what, Gerald? We're gonna have to let you go. We have some other stuff to get to, but where can people? Well, I'll I'll tell them where they can find you after the break. Gerald Morgan, thank you. Sorry, we must go. Thanks, Louder with Crowder. Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 say, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades, all of it can be found at AR15.com. That's AR15.com. Everyone likes to dance to a happy song. So happy to have you back in this final stretch, the final half hour of Louder with Crowder. It's uh, it's been a rough week, man. It has been a rough week, which it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a rough week because two two terrorists got killed. It was a thwarted plot. The enemy was defeated. It should be a celebratory week. That's what this week should be. It should be a celebration in triumph over evil. And instead, it's been a conversation about how much, just how much do we yield to evil. And, uh, and you want to know how much that is? Look at England. Look at the UK. Look at what, what has happened abroad in Europe. That's one thing when people say, you know, I come from a socialist province. When people say, you just say socialism because you can't say the N-word about this this president. That's just, you're just using a dirty word. Now, where I come from, socialism is just part of the political vernacular. It's an actual party. It's, it's you know, you have the, the liberal party and then you have the liberal separatist party. That's what we had in Quebec where I was raised. So I was raised, taught the ideals of socialism, lived the ideals of socialism with socialized health care. I don't just use it as, as political double speak. I don't just use it as political sensationalism. It's something that I've lived. And you can see that across Europe. You can see it across everywhere that's not the United States. And a part of that socialism, again, we're talking about isms, is 
political correctness. Political correctness is an ism. It's the ism that the ultimate ideal should be that of not offending anyone. That's an ism. It's an ism in believing that making sure that everyone gets along is more important than freedom. There's an ism right now that my dog Hopper is going nuts <laughs> at the front door. Maybe it's Hopper ringing the doorbell. Maybe it's Hopper ringing the doorbell. Maybe you should get off your phone. I'm just holding a pen. You're holding a pen. That's not true. You're doing what people do in class where the teacher's like, do you no, have candy look, in your watch, mouth? Watch my hand. My phone is way <laughs> okay. over here this is like, on the charger because I killed it. How does, a, how, how does a Samsung charge? Is it like a charging pad or do you plug it in? There, yeah, I got two of these uh, AC adapters. It plugs in through a mini USB. You can buy one of those crazy pads. Right. But it's way more than just buying the $20 extra charger. Right. If for those of you who don't know, Fundip finally went from a rotary to a smartphone this week. And so I'm getting all these pictures. And and now I don't have to use my VHS camcorder anymore for my YouTube videos. Oh, very nice. Yeah. I don't know. How did you use a VHS camcorder for YouTube I'm, videos? I'm lying. I, didn't. Oh. I used my other one. Oh, that's right. You use that little camera thing. Uh, by the way, so we've been talking about Garland. This is something that's very nice for people to, you should notice when you're talking about news. Uh, since we were talking about Garland, since we were talking about this whole thing going on this week, all of a sudden Baltimore, no one's talking about it. Gone. Yep. Gone. Now, are the ramifications gone? No. Are the, uh, are, are the is the tension gone? No. Are there still criminals in Baltimore? Yes. Well, the probe right now in the Freddie Gray, so this is why right now they're kind of probing and investigating, uh, said there wasn't any support for charges. So that was something we talked about last week. And I, by the way, you know, I never ran that interview we had with that Phil Advise guy because I felt like if I ran that interview, we had a, we had a, a, a black American, Phil, I don't know his last name, he has the Advise show on YouTube. And... Um, I, I don't think anyone else ever does this. I felt bad because it was it was a pretty thorough debunking of everything. He, everything he said was wrong. And I know that if I run that interview, if I put it up as a clip, conservatives are going to eat him alive for being wrong factually, and his own audience is going to see him exposed. And he seems like a nice guy, so I actually felt bad. And we haven't run it yet on the website because I know that if we do, he's going to lose some fans. Nobody else does that. Uh but we were talking about Mike Brown and, and, and Freddie Gray. And like I said, listen, the burden of proof has never been on me to just say wait for due process. It's not on me. It's on the people who are blowing stuff up. It's on the people who are looting ATMs and throwing bricks through windows. But I did say, and then you had conservatives going, this is false. The, the fact that they charged them with man, this is completely made up. Well, I, I don't know that. But I did say you don't go from one day not having enough evidence to bring any charges whatsoever, which, which was the case with the six officers in Baltimore, to the next day charging them with homicide. Not manslaughter, homicide. Now, you understand the difference between that, right, Fundip? Yeah, manslaughter is like when you run over a guy and kill him. Homicide is when you do it on purpose. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty easy. Pretty simple. Uh, my, my parents taught me when I was five. Yeah, manslaughter can happen. It's like, you know, you get into a bar fight or something and a guy falls and hits his head. And uh, it's not intentional. And then homicide is 
intentional. And then there's first-degree murder. There's second-degree as far as how premeditated it is. Now, if you run them over on purpose, it could be both. Yeah, I have a story. I don't even know if I can tell it because it's illegal. But um, Did you kill a man just for No, no. It doesn't snoring. involve a person, but it does involve running, running an inanimate object over that might have been someone's personal property. What was it? Okay. So I'm in the car with my father-in-law. Tim... Love you. I, I, hope, I, hope, I hope it wasn't an animal. It was, no, I hope I'm not throwing you under the bus here, Tim. But it was very, very funny. So we were there, and uh, there, there was this, to, to preface it, there were these people who were breaking the law. They had like a giant bus that they had that wasn't on their property, and it was out, and it just looked terrible, and it was destroying. It was like an old abandoned bus, and they had it on a lot, I think, that was next to their actual lot. So it was always a headache, and they called the city, and, and you know, like animals were going in there, and I, I don't know about junkies, but anyways... So that's the Marleys were dead to begin with. So this is before I really know uh, my father-in-law, who, to give you an idea, just doesn't, just doesn't give any craps. Like he just doesn't care. You know, I don't. You think I don't? Well, he genuinely just doesn't. It doesn't even enter his thought process of being politically correct or making sure to not offend anyone in the room. Great guy, stand-up guy, love him. So please understand that. But we were driving. <laughs> this is before I'm married. <laughs> to my wife. We were driving in his car. This is before the 2000, uh, 2012 election. So we're driving and we're talking and he's just having a conversation. He's a very, very good. He would actually be great to do radio ads. He has this deep voice, you know, that sounds, even though he's, he's not, it sounds like, you know, a man who's like, you know, Frank Scotch and just that low rumble. It's just really very masculine. He'd be great for radio. So he's talking and he's very, you know, very soft spoken though, very slow. So he says what he means. And as we're driving, there's an Obama sign, Obama-Biden sign, on the other side of the road. It's a two-lane road. He's talking to me. He's looking back, and I swear to you, I'm not making the, this up, without even skipping a beat as he's talking, go, and just keeps driving. Ran over every single Obama <laughs> on their yard. <laughs> I were here, there was like three signs in a row. And didn't even pause. <laughs> and I remember just going, oh, this is the family I'm marrying into. And uh, again, though, you have to understand that these, same thing like, listen, I have neighbors. Every sign that's up is fracking and no fracking. And they put up all these, you know, we put up one Romney sign in our yard. One. One. And then our neighbors felt the need to put up five of theirs and then move it cl closer to the property line. They're just liberals are just always jackasses when it comes to that stuff. Our neighbors looked at our front lawn in 2008 and we had one for each. And they're like, house divided, perhaps. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But your wife was just doing that. To, your wife doesn't care that much about it from what you've told me. She's not like a political activist. No, but I thought it would be rude for me to I actually got her the other one as a gift. I'm like, you can have this. And she's like, well, let's put them both out there. I'm like, that'd be kind of funny. Well, let me, let me know when she, um, she lets you get them back from her purse. Let me know when that happens. <laughs> and we'll throw, a we'll throw a party. We'll throw a party. That was I don't need them anymore. I'm over 40. We'll throw a party with a, a spherical theme. Um, <laughs> everything. We'll, we'll the throw a grand. Yeah. Or a grand party, except all the balloons will be slightly deflated. 
just a little bit wrinkly. So um, I don't even know what I was talking about there. Oh, that's that was just the, my father-in-law story who I, uh, I, I like I said, I just. Squirrel. I, yeah, squirrel. But great guy. And uh, I remember that was a moment of, of oh, this, this, this is happening. This is um, just, just mowed down those signs. But again, we talk about this a lot. Nine times out of ten, if someone has 20,000 bumper stickers on their car. And it's a Subaru. I don't know about the Subaru thing, but if they have 90,000 stickers in their bumper, bump, bumper stickers in their car, it's usually a liberal. It has like the, you know, for example, I saw one. I have a picture. It's up on Twitter at S. Crowder. It said coexist. And then right next to it, it had uh, the Christian fish, except the Christian fish with the Darwin feet. I have that. Yeah. Okay, fine. But you don't have the coexist. No. If I did, it'd be the one with the different gun manufacturers. Right. There you go. But someone's saying coexist. And then immediately, the next one is an affront to Christians. <laughs> I mean, just pick one. That's the thing. It's these people who are coexist. They don't want to coexist. They don't hate religions. They just hate Christians. That's really what it comes down to. Coexist. I tell you what. If you had coexist, and then you had a picture of the Darwin Christian fish, just right next to it, have a little, have a little Muhammad picture, the little winning Muhammad picture. Just even it out. <laughs> But that won't happen. So nine times out of ten, if someone has a bunch of bumper stickers, I'm not talking about one sign, you know, if it's whoever the candidate ends up being. If you have a Romney um, sign up there, Romney Ryan or a McCain-Palin, as many people did, unfortunately. Um, not the Palin part, the McCain part. Can't stand the guy. I've never been able to stand the guy, and his daughter is even worse. But if you put one of those up, that's one thing. But it's the liberal mindset of I'm going to plaster my rear bumper in stickers because everyone needs to know what I think. And it's, so, it's self-important because, listen, nobody changes their mind. Nobody changes their mind with a bumper sticker. Nobody's sitting there like, ah, you know what? I hate these terrorists and I hate to co coexist with, a, with an Islam crescent moon sea. I never thought of it that way. Let me go register as a Democrat. <laughs> and let me buy a Prius. Let me buy a Prius. Here's my problem with the Prius. It's a piece of crap. It's a piece of crap, and it's like every single person who has no business driving, who doesn't know how to use a turn signal, who doesn't know how to merge into a lane properly, it's like they had a secret meeting behind our back and bought Priuses. I think it's Pri-I. Is it pri, <laughs> pri I think that's that uh, Indian lady who served us at the restaurant down it's the block. The, very, the, very nice. The plural. All right, we will uh, we will take our final break and then come back and wrap up this entire week in a nice bow for you. Also, we'll do our best to make sure that if someone gets blown up, it'll be us and not you, Louder. No, crowd. just you, not me. the strangest animal in all of North America. He is Steven Crowder. You're a strange animal. That's what I know. Okay. You're dressed like Gowan. How did you change so quickly? It's just I hit my Gowan button. Wow. Like a, tra like a transformer. More than meets the eye. 
There's more than meets the eye. Unfortunately, Transformer gave way in the 90s to Captain Planet, who was an absolute oh. fruitcake. <laughs> With a green mullet. His, his pa- <laughs> For those of you who don't, but you, you want to tell me indoctrination doesn't start young, go watch Captain Planet. It was literally the theme song was Captain Planet, he's a hero, gonna take pollution down to zero. And the, the bad guy was a Texas oil man. That was the bad. It's so stupid. And they all had their little power rings, right? And so it was all supposed to be, since it's, you know, essentially it's, it's, it's um, paganism. It's Gaia. Mother Earth is the god, right? That's where they draw their power. So they all had their own elemental powers. And there was, you know, fire, wind, water, earth, and then a little Indian kid, heart. <laughs> the hell is heart? And what would happen, like... You know, fire, whoosh, the flame would come in, right? Or water, you know, a tidal wave, and it would wash away the bad guy. And then heart, and what would happen is, like, there'd be a roaring lion, and his ring would go, and the lion would be like, oh, purring. <laughs> like, it had the power to convert you. It was just horrible. It was horrible writing, and, it, and that's an example. With, with the entertainment industry now, we've hit a point where it's no longer just about quality writing. You know, liberalism, obviously, it tends to lean liberal. So people will be like, well, you know, they're making money, and so it's a profit motive, and it's acceptable. And it still wouldn't necessarily be acceptable. But it's not even a profit motive. A lot of these leftist films don't do well. They tend to not. You know, you have Avatar, but that's because of, the, you know, a bunch of naked blue people and CGI. Did you see Avatar, Fun Dip? Yeah. It's terrible. I, l- I walked out. The only thing I really liked about it was there is a scene where they have these upright display screens. They're in a computer room, and everything in the computer room was 3D. The upright it, that was stunning. The rest of it was stupid. Well, <laughs> it looked like a video game. It didn't like people were talking about how great the effects were. Just uh, we were talking about Jurassic Park not long ago. I thought Jurassic Park seemed way more realistic than Avatar. Oh yeah, because ninety percent of what you saw on screen, Stan Winston built. Stan Winston built a big, you know, tyrannosaur head. They're- I'd rather watch little Hoggle run around from Labyrinth and David Bowie's cod piece than La- than uh, Avatar. Those those looked more real. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't want to see Bowie's codpiece. Well, I walked out. I walked out on Avatar, and I'll tell you why. A, it was just such a boring film. You can tweet me at S. Crowder if you think I'm wrong. I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was really boring. Super long. I fell asleep Oh, for it was most so long. And then what happened was, so you have to understand, all the bad guys, every single bad guy is a Marine or former Marine. They try and disguise it as black ops, but any Marine will tell you once a Marine, always a Marine. So the bad guys are the American troops, and the good guys are the Avatar, you know, the, the pseudo-Native Americans painted blue. And at this point, I'm already bored. The movie just sucks. It's really bad. And then there's a scene where the Marines get into the fight with the native people, and one of the avatars, I guess, or whatever it's called, the little, the whatever you call them. Mogadishu or something like that? Whatever it is. James Cameron uh, wrote this scene, or whoever wrote it. Sorry, I don't know. I mean, all the nerds are going to get mad here. Like, picture, Not all the nerds. I didn't there's like the avatar it. stuff, like the Star Trek crew. Fires an arrow. The blue person fires an arrow, and it goes through a marine and pins him to a log. So killing a marine, right? And the marine. And I remember I was in L.A. I was in Manhattan Beach, Pacific Theaters, and the audience clapped. And we're looking around, going, 
These people are clapping for the death of an American Marine on screen. And I just said, all right, I'm, I'm up, I'm out, I'm out. And, and that was it. I just, it, people don't even realize the, 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 the subversion of culture there where you've, you've made them black ops, you can distance yourself enough, but people are now rooting for the death of the American soldiers. That's what happened in Avatar. And, and that, I walked out because it was an, at that point I was looking for an excuse, you know, kind of like a fighter who you can tell they have no chance at winning and then they just they just let the guy sink in a submission, and they're they you know they're looking they're they're mentally looking to tap out. I was going up. Oh, this is my this is my out. I'm two and a half hours in. I don't need to see another naked blue loincloth. Tap out. I'm done. And that's the same thing that's happening right now. The same thing that's happening right now with the Muhammad cartoon. The same people who want to subvert culture and want us to cheer the death of American soldiers, as you saw in Avatar. This is not conjecture. This is not sensationalism. That's what happened in that film. Those same people now want you to be sympathetic enough to submit to the cultural guidelines of Islam. Those are the same people telling you you should be sensitive enough to not draw Muhammad. The same people who've had audiences across the country clapping for the death of an American soldier. The same people who champion themselves these Oh, we're, we're warriors for free speech. We're breaking ground out there in Hollywood. And they cower with Islam. For me, it's not, listen, it's, it's, it's the cowardice that bothers me. That's what it comes down to is the cowardice. You're either bold enough. We were just talking about this. Fundip and I were talking about this. If someone were to try and kill me, okay, in the name of Islam, if that were to ever happen, no one would defend me. Can I have your dog, though? Uh, he's going to stay with my wife. Well, that's the thing. We have many guns, alarm systems, both. dogs. We're as heavily, I mean, short of actually being at the Pentagon, we're in pretty good shape. Um, he's actually trying to get in the door now, so Jared might want to go let him in. He leaves the office to go to the bathroom, and he wants to come back in every morning for the show. But, but the, the point I'm making is no one would defend him. Now, I don't say that as a victim. I say that because I know we're at the point where anyone who just doesn't submit to Sharia, who doesn't submit to Islam, were like the, the rape victim who's being blamed. You wanna talk about rape culture? Okay, let's talk about Islam. That's where we are. People would say, well, look, listen, the guy dressed up as Muhammad and uh, beat his six-year-old wife in a Three Stooges routine. This cartoon, it's up at the website, wasn't that offensive. Okay, it wasn't offensive to Muhammad and it's a national outrage. I am offensive to Islam. I'm okay with being more offensive than a cartoon. I don't need to be civil. I don't plan on it. You know why? Because I think Islam is evil. I think Muhammad was evil. And I will speak out against that for the rest of my life. And I won't preface it like the fake conservatives with, well, I believe in free speech, but. You believe in free speech, but? No, you don't. There is no freedom and a but. Gotta fight it louder with Crowder.